Warning, this episode has some expletives in it because the lucky bitch is here. Episode 150. Ladies, welcome to Biz Women Rock. This is your home for incredibly inspirational business stories from business women all over the world. I'm Katie Kremitzos, and I'm so happy you're here. Before we get rolling, here's a little word from our awesome sponsor. Did you know with just a few minor changes to your LinkedIn profile, you can start producing results immediately? And by results, I mean business, money in your pocket. That's why you need to have LinkedIn Focus. This program will teach you everything that you need to know about where to spend your time in LinkedIn to produce results. Go to linkedinfocus.com forward slash BWR and you can start getting free tips and strategies today. There are days on this show that I just don't want the interview to end. And this conversation with Denise Duffield Thomas was one of those conversations. She started a company called Lucky Bitch about four years ago. By the way, this uh, episode officially needs to be marked explicit. Anyway, Lucky Bitch is all about helping women in business get over their money blocks so they can have a truly abundant, financially abundant life and know that they deserve that. And um, and she talks in this interview about the entire evolution that she's had to go through in order to even get to what that brand really was and how she's built it out. One of the major, major golden nuggets in this entire conversation is how she's taken her business from a manual one-on-one coaching model to a totally automated, doesn't, doesn't need to recreate anything type of a model and how she hasn't lost any quality in that transition and how she looks at that whole thing. So turn up that volume and let's get going with Denise. Denise, what is going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, Katie. I'm pretty excited. I know we're going to have a juicy conversation. You have no idea. Um, You're coming to me all the way from Australia, and I thank you so much for working with the schedules here. Um, You have created a really awesome company called Lucky Bitch, and uh, my my immediate question that I had was, have you gotten any flack for actually having, you know, the word bitch in your entire brand? You know what? Yes and no. When I first started it, I was transitioning from a very generic kind of brand, you know, which a lot of life coaches and people in our industry can do. And I was doing stuff under Inspired Life and Inspired Life Formula. And it was very nice and polite, but it really wasn't me. And then um, as soon as I changed my business to Lucky Bitch, I did have a few people email me saying, look, I can't support you anymore or I can't work with you anymore. Yeah, I did. But I kind of went, you know what, I feel good about it. Um, I do dissuade people from from doing it one because if it's not you don't do it right right two like I've seen a few copycat kind of brands come out and it's just like oh but the third thing is that I do want to warn people about it does sometimes create problems so sometimes I've had Facebook ads um, rejected because of profanity it depends on who's approving it I guess Um, and also I've had to call my actual company name just lucky b (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's my official company name because you know some 
some places have filters on, on the word bitch. So, yeah, it does come up with some problems. But you know what? I think once people get to know me and realize that I'm not telling people to be a bitch in business um, and I'm actually quite a nice, easygoing, chilled-out person, <laughs> it kind of, you know, it does balance that out a little bit but I've never regretted it even when I had to pay five grand for luckybitch.com um I I really (laughs) don't I don't regret it (laughs) so worth every penny um that yeah I was just really interested in that so you know you created this lucky bitch brand um tell me a little bit about what got you even interested in creating this brand what got you interested in you know money and helping people really kind of tweak their whole money hang-ups all that stuff like what even got you interested in all of that in the first place Sure. Well, I think I've always been a, a student of personal development since I was um, a kid. I was always the leader in different things or I was always from different businesses. And I read my first personal development book, which was about the law of attraction when I was about 14. And so I'd always kind of knew that I wanted to play some sort of leadership role. But to be honest, I really struggled with it in, in my 20s especially because I was torn between this is not a real job. Motivating people is not a real job. You can't make money from motivating people. And then the other side of it, I would go into the corporate world and that wasn't me either. So I was constantly bouncing between, um, you know, okay, I'm going to go work for a big corporation. And then six months later, I'm going, I'm bored. I, I'm, you know, I'm not doing my work properly. I'm thinking of business ideas on the side. Hey, I'm going to quit my job. So I'd quit my job and then go do some random business idea. I was like, oh, I'm going to be um, a dating expert for men. And I, you know, I wrote an ebook about about dating tips for men. And I just hadn't found my niche yet, or niche, as you guys say. In, um, in the, we say niche in Australia. That sounds very refined, <laughs> by the way. Find your niche. Niche. <laughs> um, and so I finally got over myself and did my life coach training because, you know, I was I was really had this story about life coaching is not a real job, I'm too young to be a life coach, you know, all this stuff. But I finally got over that and, and became a life coach. And then people would just keep on asking me about money stuff. And I resisted, resisted, resisted. And I was just like, I'm not going to be the money girl, the universe, do not send me these people and I went, but you know what? I'm going to do that work on myself. I'm going to do my money work myself. I'm not going to teach it to anyone. I'm not going to share it with anyone, but I'm <laughs> going to do it for me because I knew I had money blocks and I knew that my income was not a match to what I thought was my potential energy ambition in the world. I was like, there's a mismatch here. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm going to personal development seminars and I'm reading books and I'm doing all this work on myself and my income is zero. Um, so I did the work myself and then of course you can't help but start to share it with a few people and a few more people then a few more people and then before I knew it I was like well I'm gonna write a book about this and then oh crap I might write it I might do a program but you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell many people about it (laughs) you couldn't find it on my website for like the first two years Um, I was very very cagey about it Um, only because I didn't want to be the money girl I thought you know oh I can only teach this if I'm a financial advisor or if you know, whatever. I had massive stories about it. Um, and then I just went, oh, fuck it. People need this information. You know, they need to, um, women like me need this information. They're ambitious, they're smart, they're creative, they want to make a difference in the world. But there's something holding them back from actually receiving money in return. And I think I just got fed up with it and went, no, I don't care. I don't have to be the person, but I want to play a part in, in helping women 
overcome their money blocks. So how did you figure out exactly how that would build out? Because, you know, it sounds like you kind of had something beforehand, you're going through all these kind of, you know, spaces of evolution of what you really were. So I guess kind of a pre question I want to ask is, there are so many people that can identify with I'm going to try this because that's their passion in the moment. And then it kind of fizzles out and it didn't really work. And now they're really interested in this and then they can do that. And so they try that. What did you do during all of these evolutions in um, in respect to like who you were to people? I mean, because I would imagine you were building up an audience with each of these little, you know, businesses that you were starting. You were having clients with each of these. How did you how did you meld that all in to actually create to create Lucky Bitch and have it have it still be true? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think. Part of that evolution is just the business of being in business for creatives. I think um, a lot of us go through practice businesses and that's okay. And one of my practice businesses was when I was getting married and I got really into raw food and I lost a bunch of weight for my wedding and I was like, oh my God, my business is going to be raw brides. Oh, good idea. Right? Uh, But then uh, then my wedding finished and I was like, I hate talking about weddings. (laughs) (laughs) what am I talking about raw food for? I, I don't know anything about health and, and food. And I got really sick of blogging about it. So yes, I build up a little bit of an audience, but I think when it's not your true passion, there's a cap on how, how much you can grow it usually. And there's also a cap on your attention span for it. So sometimes things naturally peter out. Um, so for me, that was, it. I just went, you know what? Raw Brides was a, you know, it fizzled out because I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. But hey, I learned a lot from it. I learned about blogging from it. I blogged every single week for about a year. Um, I learned about internet marketing, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's okay for you to move on. And sometimes you have to be really honest and go, have I said all I can say about this topic? Um, Time for me to move on. And so it was just a natural evolution of I think it for me it was actually being brave enough to talk about the things that I knew I wanted to talk about. And as soon as I did, which was about transformation, business, successful women, and then more specifically money, you know, I haven't run out of you know ways to talk about that yet um, right. after four years, and I really don't think I will. Um, so I think it is. I think it is a natural progression. Sometimes, other times, you have to just sit and be really honest about it and go, "Have I lost passion for this business?" Is it time for me to do something else? Do I start this because of a stage in my life or um, someone told me I would be good at it or, you know, it's something external for me? Right. And the other thing is when you start doing something that I think is really your passion, you do get a little bit of like excitement tinged with fear and it's very different from the other kind of fear because you know, oh, my God, I have to do this. I have to. Right. Right. I just, um, I shared on the, uh, our Facebook group the other day, the Biz Women Rock Facebook group, a quote that, um, uh, Richard Branson had that said something to the effect of like, do you feel, you know, do you feel fear? Cause if you don't feel fear, you're not thinking big enough. And I was like, okay, who's scared all the time? Yep. That would be me. <laughs> always. I'm always scared. Um, whenever I do something new or big. And I think that's really important for people to hear is that the fear doesn't go away. There's no point in your business where you think, okay, if I reach that milestone, the fear will go away. And I thought it was a monetary thing. I was like, well, as soon as I start making money from my business, I won't be scared anymore. As soon as I make six figures from my business, I won't be scared anymore. As soon as I make multiple, you know, it doesn't happen like that. It's just a natural part of 
I think being human, but I call it the business of being in business mm. is, is that fear that you have to dance with sometimes. I like that. So let's talk about once you finally did decide on Lucky Bitch, you got it, you were feeling it, you were like, heck yeah, I'm going all in. How did you build out your business model so that you were really doing what you were preaching? You know, like what kind of programs were you putting into place? How did you structure all that stuff out? Well, I started with my first book, Lucky Bitch, and that um, told the story about how I manifested um, this crazy year where I decided to throw everything at it is what I always say, throw everything at your dreams. And so I, I had this goal of going traveling and for once in my life, I kind of looked at everything I'd ever learned from personal development and put everything into place, absolutely everything into place. And um, I won an all-expenses-paid trip around the world for six months. Nice. Yeah, which was amazing. It was blogging about honeymoon destinations. Oh, wow. Um, staying in five-star resorts. And it was it was absolutely incredible. So I thought, you know, after that experience, I was like, well, I've got to write a book about that experience. So that's really what kicked off my business, I think, because – I started then talking about manifesting and I was like, oh, well, you, you can manifest this and this and this and let me show you my, my process to do it. The problem is I went a little bit too wide. I was So I was doing um, coaching sessions with people. So I'd be like, you know, book in for a coaching session with me. I'll help you manifest anything that you want. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I was getting people coming to me talking about, you know, well, how can I manifest my soulmate? How can I manifest weight loss? How can I manifest this? And again, that... Um, that thing happened where I would get bored of a topic. You know, someone would come to me and go, well, let's talk about manifesting my soulmate. And after three or four of those clients, I was like, I hate talking about this topic. <laughs> like, it really gives me the shits. Like I was like, oh, this is so not me. Um, so that's when I started refining it a little bit to money. But I, I did a course, um, which was a manifesting course, a very, again, very general one. So that was my first ever course. I think I had four people on it. It was an online course. It was a couple of hundred dollars. Um, but, you know, that, that taught me about running a course. So the next year when I, when I was starting to talk about money specifically, um, I could run a, an online course without having to learn everything from scratch, you know, and that's why I say to people, don't worry if you've only got a couple of people on your first program because that's when you're going to make all the mistakes, you know, right, when you right. can't figure out how um, – how to upload things and you can't figure out how to get the teleconferencing software to work and you can't figure out all this crap. There's only a couple of people watching. Um, so I was really lucky that when I finally kind of started refining around money, I, that's when I created my first online money course um, for entrepreneurs. And uh, I think I had about 20 people maybe in, the, in that first round and then 40 in the next one and then 60 and then 70. And um, and now it's an evergreen program, so people join all the time, and that is my main business. So it really just started from writing a book, creating a very small program off that, and then continually um, refining what I was good at. But the model has kind of stayed the same. It's just the topic has been greatly refined. And what sort of um, impact has that had on your audience now that it's, you're very, very niched down? Well, people know me for that. You know, they know that if they want to manifest a soulmate, they don't come to me. They go to someone else. Right, right. But the the interesting thing about it is how now other people um, talk about me and, and refer me. And I see it in a lot of the networking groups that I'm in where people will be like, you know, I've got this money block or I've got this problem. And money blocks 
I mean, that's the topic that I've been very deliberately niching myself towards in the last year. And I see people in forums go, oh, money blocks, you have to go talk to Denise. Gotcha. So you've really become synonymous with that whole term. Absolutely. And I, I see sometimes entrepreneurs try and do, like what I did, be everything to everyone. And there's a certain amount of ego involved. And I don't mind saying that my ego was very caught up in being the go-to girl because that's how I was in my family. That's how I was at school, um, at university. It was always like, oh, Denise will know the answer. And so people would contact me. Can you, you know, what is this thing? Um, You know, how do I do this? How do I make this happen? And I would, if I didn't know the answer, I would go and find it for them. So (laughs) I I just had to stop being that, like the ego girl. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And the first time I said to someone, Katie, I don't know the answer to that, full stop, was so hard to write Like because I, I had to stop myself. I had to go and delete, you know, but but if you look at this resource or this person will know or this, I was like, that was just, I had to just go, oh, I don't know. I'm not the expert in that. And once I stopped trying to be the expert in everything and I started to say to people, nope, 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 but I can help you with this. I can help you with this. I can help you with this. My income has just increased so rapidly because I am known for that one thing. And it gives me still flexibility within the topic. So, you know, if I uh, write down all the list of blog posts I want to create for the year, like I can come at it from a lot a lot of different angles as long as it's for women in business, it's around money and it's got some sort of funny or entertaining element. There are the three things that I try and put into everything that I do and I've seen it pays off, that refinement pays off. Would you spend $20 to bring $40 back into your business? How about spending $1,000 to get $3,000 back into your business? Let's be honest, the most savvy entrepreneurs know that marketing has to be part of their business plan. The key is to execute marketing strategies that actually work. And that's where Postcard Mania comes in. Postcard Mania is a full-service marketing company that uses statistics from their over 60,000 clients to create targeted marketing campaigns that actually produce results for you. I sat down with the founder and CEO of Postcard Mania, Joy Jandusa, who just happened to be the guest on my very first show, and asked her why she does it. What what impact do you want to have on this world? I want to set a good example. You know, I, want, I definitely just feel like I want to set a good example. I want people to realize they can do it. I'm no rocket scientist. I'm, I'm smart. I'm definitely smart, but I'm a high school dropout. I mean, basically, I'm self-educated. So I just want I just want to set a good example and, and live a good life and inspire people. Joy totally rocks and so does Postcard Mania. Get started today with a thousand free postcards. Go to postcardmania.com forward slash bizwomenrock. You mentioned this before and I want to dig into it a little deeper because I think it's a fabulous topic to talk about. But you originally, when you were starting, you had these one-on-one clients that you were dealing with. You had these programs that were very manual on your part. Like you were kind of, you know, teaching these programs online. And then you now, your business now is all really virtual. It's all automated. There are programs that don't really have live discussions in them. It's like, you know, home learning courses, things like that. And that has completely shifted the way that your business is. Can you talk a little bit about how you made that transition? And I'm asking specifically because there are a lot of women who have a very one-on-one coaching business or um, or they have um, you know just a very manual and they're happy doing it kind of programs. But I want them to be able to see how powerful 
automating it can actually be and how you actually don't lose quality there. So can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. I'm so passionate about this. But um, when I started my business, I have to say that I, I moved to a completely new town. So I spent most of my 20s living in London. I lived there for nine years. And um, after we won the travel competition, we ended up um, back in Australia in a town that I'd never lived in before. And I went, I'm a brand new coach. How do I find clients? So I, I did workshops in, in my town, in this new town. I called up anywhere that had an event space, um, like crystal shops, new age stores, meditation centers, health food shops, gyms, and said, I would love to run a workshop for you. It will be completely free of charge for your members. You just have to you know, tell people about it. I'll provide posters, um, you know, get people in a room and I'll, I'll come and run a workshop. I um, did one at, at the local Lululemon store as well. And um, that's how I got my first clients. At the end of the workshop, I just said, hey, if you're interested, I do one-on-one sessions as well. Um, and that's how I got my first clients, just from hustling face-to-face. And um, I would meet the clients face-to-face. So I would drive, you know, drive to a coffee shop and, and meet them. And I found straight away that obviously that it's a great way to start because I had no people on my list and I think it's an easy way to start. And I really encourage it for people who you know, they're thinking, oh, I want to run an online program and make passive income, but I have no people on my list. Well, you know what? This is, I think this is a really good way to start. It gives you confidence. You, ref- you refine your message. You know, once you've spoken to a couple of groups, you, you know what you're talking about and you get better and better. But, you know, I was, it just didn't suit my personality, that, that kind of model, um, seeing people face to face because I was like, oh my God, I've got to get up, put on a bra, put on makeup, drive to somewhere, pay for parking, um, you know, sit down, pay for coffee. Usually I couldn't let the session just go for an hour because you're sitting in front of someone. So the sessions (laughs) were going for like two and a half hours. I was exhausted. And and then I'd be thinking, oh, my God, people know who I am. And so people would see me at the shops and I'd be, instead of, you know, looking all nice, I'd be in, um, you know, when you go to the beach and then you put, like shorts on and then you've got like a big wet crutch crutch (laughs) looks like you've peed your pants yes yes that's how I go around town like I go around town sometimes with sometimes I have nice hair sometimes I have crazy hair that's full of sea like seawater and um you know (laughs) mascara running down my face and like it looks like I've pissed my pants and I was just like oh my god there has to be a better way than than this for for this Virgo introvert because it didn't work for my personality. Some other people love doing that one-to-one and they crave it and they need it. So I went, okay, I'm going to go to Skype sessions with people and then I can open up my market. And that's when I started coaching people in other countries. So, you know, US, UK and Australia became my big markets. Um, and that was really great. And th- But then I realized I was like getting up at 5.30 to have my first session at 6 o'clock. I was coaching all day with like, you know, two minutes in between so I could quickly run and pee and refill my water glass. And and that model didn't work for me either. And I know, again, it works for some people. They can sit and they can do eight hours of one-to-one and they, they finish and they feel amazing. For me, I was like, oh, my God, am I going to be having to do this for, for the rest of my life, you know, like right. doing sessions all day long to fit in all the different time zones. And that's when I had transitioned to doing um doing the group courses and it, you know it, the price reflected that my it was a little bit less than working with me one-to-one and you have to think of the benefits people could then network with other people that were like-minded 
they could um, do some of the material at their own leisure because I sent them um, an exercise to do kind of, um, you know, at the start of the week and then they could learn from other people in the Q&As. So it's about, I really had to get clear on that transformation that I was offering for people because I was like, the transformation isn't necessarily sitting across from me one-to-one in a coffee shop. The transformation is the result that they get from working with me. And, you know, I had to keep that very clear in my mind. And then when I transitioned again from doing a live group course to a home study program where the people had to be completely responsible for their own learning, again, the, the price reflected that. It was a little bit less than my live program. You know, I had to resist the, the, the feeling that I was cheating. I was like, oh, my God, I've done this work once and I don't have to pull an all-nighter anymore to get this work out. And the people still access the information and get a transformation. I really felt like I was cheating and it really um, started tickling my own money block, which is it has to be hard to make money. That's a recurring one for me. And um, again, you have to be really clear. What is the outcome? What is the transformation? And now I am so clear that when people join my home study program, you know, they join a, a very vibrant community that will help them and keep them accountable and, it's up to that person to get that transformation. I can give them everything they need, but, you know, I'm not going to drive to their house and say click here and, you know, let's watch this together. It's, it's transformation that they have to, to get themselves. But you can see that's like a complete um, journey from, from, you know, literally speaking to four people in upstairs room at a gym to having a, a very automated um passive income asset that it really has taken me four years to perfect so don't beat yourself up people if you haven't got it nutted down in your first try yeah and Denise I mean I what just really is lighting me up this entire time that you're talking throughout this entire conversation is really just that you know what did you say you're in the business of being in business like it's a constant evolution and there's there's no end point and wherever you are you're going to be you know, a, a year from now, a month from now, or wh- whatever it is, you're going to have so many more lessons and so many, so much more knowledge behind you to a- approach your business at that moment. So, you know, just be kind to yourself and allow yourself to evolve and to continue doing it. And every step along the way teaches you something that gets you to this moment right now where you are with this automated program. And who knows where you're going to be a year from now, you know? Yeah, that's so true. And I think, you know, sometimes you worry about things that are just not a problem for you right now. Um, you know, just focus on the problem in front of you. Don't worry about, you know, when, when new people are starting their business, they're like, oh, well, what's going to happen when I'm really famous online? And they stress about it. And it's like, <laughs> honey, just get your first client yeah. and see how it goes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Now, um, I know that your business over these past four years has done very well. I mean, you've basically doubled your income every single year since you started. And I want to know a little bit behind the scenes is what you've noticed now looking back four years, what has been maybe some major culprits for that? What what do you really attribute that, that growth of business to? Well, one of the things I did very early on was I increased my prices um, very regularly and it's a technique that I teach in, I've got a free course on it, which is just at luckybitch.com slash pricing, because I think it's important that as your confidence grows, but also as your ability to get your client's results quickly grows, and the more that you invest in your own education, you pass that along to your clients, they're buying that knowledge from you essentially. Um, I probably increase my prices, I think every two to three months on average. Oh, wow. So, 
yeah, and I mean, I didn't start off very expensive. I think I um, I started off and I was I gave six. I think it was like six sessions for two hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. So sessions were about forty five dollars a session. But I was smart enough at the start to package that up, you know. So I think increasing my prices, doing doing package deals. And also giving people incentives to, to work with me. And usually that was a price increase. I was like, hey, guys, I know you've been, you know, you've been thinking about working with me, but my price is going up at the end of the month. So if you book it in now, you can get it at the current price. And I did that like three or four times a year um, in, the, in that first two years. So I, once I got my comfortable level of, of clients that I could feel like I didn't, wasn't burning myself out, I, I did increase my prices regularly and I didn't have to work with more clients to make more money. And, you know, because my my expertise increased, I got better at getting results for my clients so I could justify it. Um, so that was, the, that was definitely the first thing. The second thing I think is just that constant evolution into more and more leveraged ways of getting my knowledge out. And you know, when you work on something and you, you very quickly get past the beginner stage, you know, and then you forget it. You you can't even remember what you did anymore. Right. So I think it's important, like capture that knowledge as you go because you might not want to teach it anymore. You might get sick of it or over it or you kind of forget it. But there's always going to be people coming in who need that knowledge. So I started getting really good at just capturing that stuff and putting it into a course or a program or a book so I continue to leverage income off it. But it was really useful for people who came in and they weren't at, you know, they didn't necessarily follow along on my journey. They were starting right at the beginning and, um, you know, capture the step-by-steps of how you did it. Capture your um, tools that you used. Ta- um, keep statistics of, of stuff. So I've kept, say, for example, my um, list building. I've been keeping monthly track of that for four years. So that was really easy then when I was helping clients with their list building I could go well here's what I started off and here's how how many people I um, added to my list every month and you know just capture all of that knowledge because you can put it into a book or a program or whatever so yeah that was the the second thing I got really good at leveraging stuff and then I think the third thing is um, I really constantly upgraded the people around me Uh, I made sure that I was masterminding with people who were the next step um, for me, and I just constantly reassured myself, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. If they can do it, I can do it. And I think that is key for women, especially. We can sometimes get trapped in groups because, you know, oh, they're our friends or whatever, but they're all talking about stuff that you've kind of grown out of. Right. And without being in a new group, you, you can't see what's possible for yourself. So I think that's why I've rapidly increased my income um so much over the last four years is just working on that increasing my prices leveraging and upgrading the people around me got it I love that now I'm very curious to know and I hope you told me beforehand that nothing is off limit so I really want to ask this question in a way that elicits a true honest response which is how do you practice what you preach I mean you're helping your clients deal with money blocks what what have been some of your biggest money blocks I know you mentioned one before but how do you how have you dealt with them and and I'm sure that they keep arising so how what kind of practices do you have to keep on kind of clearing all that stuff out yeah I think some people are surprised when I say that I have money blocks and I work on my money blocks because we put people um, on pedestals especially someone who's written a book right you go 
oh, that person's written a book, they must be an expert or they're a guru. And I think that's really dangerous because when you do that, you almost create a separation between um, where you are now and where you think you want to be. And you think, well, for me to get there, I have to change myself. I have to be thinner, better, more diligent, perfect. You know, I have to meditate every day before I deserve it. And the reason why I talk so honestly about my money blocks is because you know, I've I've continued to to work through them, and I I make more and more money, and they come up in different ways, and it's so interesting. So let's talk about that money block that I mentioned before about it's it's hard to make money, or you have to work hard to make money. Now, the way that came up for me at the start of my business is that I felt really guilty making money from coaching people because I was like, I mean, motivating people is not a real job. Why should I get paid (laughs) to sit here and talk to this person while my mum's working in a nursing home? Like that's just not fair. Um, So that that came up for me then, and then it came up again when I I remember I did my first speaking gig, which was a five hundred dollars speaking fee. Which in the speaking world, and the people that I knew, they'll be like, "Oh, that's so low, Denise." You know, and then I'm like, "That takes my mum a week to make." Right. You know, and then it came up again when I. When I made my course a home study program, I was like, but I, but I should be staying up all night working on the sales page and working on the materials and pulling all-nighters. Like, how is it that I can get paid for doing this and, you know, every, every day? <laughs> how is that possible? And it came up for me last year when I did an affiliate um, promotion with somebody and, you know, it was an easy 50K and I was, it really hit me and I was like, oh, my God, who am I, you know, that's that's I didn't do any I sent two emails like that's not right so you can see that the numbers change but the the block stays the same so I um I it's just one that I I just keep an eye on it's it doesn't always um paralyze me but it sometimes um gives me pause when I start to do a new program or a workshop or whatever I go oh this feels like it's too easy but I have to catch myself in the moment and and go hang on this is just an old money block Right. You know, really identify okay. it. Absolutely. And so I, I think most people have got one or two really key ones that will haunt them for their whole career. And that's okay because the numbers can change. It doesn't mean that just because you have a money block that you're never going to make money because I, I'm yet to meet a successful woman. Men, I'm not so sure about, but a successful woman who doesn't have at least some sort of an awareness of how she sabotages herself sometimes um, what things kind of bug her around money. And um, and that's the thing, right? Successful people always work on themselves. So right. don't worry about the fact that you, you have to work on yourself for the rest of your life. That is the business of being in business. It's the business of transformation. It's the business of being human. So um, I love talking about my money blocks. I think it's really important for people to hear um, successful women have those conversations. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I, once again, I say this quite often, but the the whole point of this platform, the Biz Women Rock platform is exactly getting at the core of that, which is, let's share honestly about what has been part of our journeys. And when you share very honestly and share very vulnerably, vulnerably, somebody else listening is going to be like, oh, yeah, oh, my God, thank God. I thought I was the only, you know, I thought I was the only one who actually had that or experienced that or okay, this is somebody who's successful and who has achieved all this and that they experience this as well. And that's what I'm experiencing now. So, you know, it's all part of that, like, let's be real and we can all learn from it and expose it and, you know, just kind of like keep moving forward with it. 
Absolutely. You can make it a game. You know, like for this year, um, a goal of mine is to do a million turnover. And that is blocking the crap out of me. Like it is absolutely, it is. And and so I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting because what's coming up around that? And one of the things that was coming out was like, oh, no, no, that's that's too much money. Like what would you even do with with that much? And that's I mean, interesting. I, yeah. yeah, it is. Right? And I, I, I mean, I earned phenomenal money last year, um, but that obviously has become my new normal where I felt comfortable with it. But it's this next, this next one, which to be honest, I mean, it's not that much of a bigger leap. Like in terms of workload, it wouldn't be that much more, et cetera, et cetera. But it's hitting me at that um, emotional part, which is like, well, that's just too much money for, for, for one person. You know, right. like that's just too much now. But I was like that at the beginning when I made my first 50,000. 50, I was like, yep. well, this is too much to make. Just talking <laughs> it's just to a people. number. It's the same <laughs> issue, but it's just a number. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Denise, you now have a brand new baby, Willow. Um, what is it like? Uh, I hate balance. I hate the idea of balancing. What is it like actually managing being a mom right now, being a wife, having this business, continuing to evolve it? What is that like for you? How do you do that? I'm so glad you said that about managing because I hate juggling. I hate. Um, I hate even the word busy. I hate that the media seems to say busy mom. It's like you can't just say someone's a mother you have to say busy mom busy mom <laughs> and it just constantly reinforces this thing of being busy and to be honest I'm I'm not busy um I've never been a busy person I've always been someone who's is very chilled out very lazy um finds the the, the shortcut so um when I <laughs> it's funny because it's like not just this year because I'm such a, a Virgo I've been planning this for, for years because I had a massive block about becoming a parent and, you know, I had a massive block about it ruining my independence, ruining my relationship, ruining my freedom, ruining my vagina. Um, <laughs> all I of really that stuff, yeah. All of that stuff. Because that's so all funny. the rhetoric that you hear everywhere. All the time. And, like, you know, you'll, you'll never be able, you'll be a completely different person and, you know, you have to choose. And so I worked through those things probably for about two years, I reckon, before um, I even got pregnant at you know, I talked through things with my um, with my partner. With uh, you know, I got kinesiology on it. I spoke to it with counsels. Like I just, I kind of came at it from every angle, and I was coming at it from a very casual place because I was thinking, it's not what I want to do right now, but it's something that I know I've got to block around. I even, I remember even spoke to about with my um, acupuncturist, and so I kind of worked through all of those feelings before I even got pregnant. Um, so I felt like when I got pregnant, the channels were clear. I had dealt with most of that stuff, most of those blocks. And then I was like, you know what, now I have to get really organized. So in my pregnancy, I really planned for the fact that I might be a completely different person after having a baby. <laughs> I was like, you know, if I don't want to work on my business, I'm going to create, I think I created six months worth of content. I created about 30 blog videos. Wow. Um, so, because I was like, well, if I don't want to, if all I want to do is sit and look at my baby for six months, I'm covered. My business is not going to die. Um, I, you know, prepped my assistant to to do to start answering all my emails. Um, so she now is my support person. I don't get any emails except if they're from her. Um, and I got really organised. And then as soon as I had um, Willow, which was in February two thousand fourteen, I had her, and I was like, 
oh my god I'm the same person that's interesting (laughs) and because I was even saying to people like I'll see you on the other side you know like and I really did feel like I was going to jump off and be this completely different person and I know some people do and it's a very big personal transformation for them so me I was like oh wow, I still want to work on my business. Well, that's handy that I've got six months worth of content. What else could I work on? And so (laughs) I really found that having a baby made me step into this CEO role. Um, One, because I had less time, but two, I was like, holy crap, batching is amazing. And I was like, who knew? And it's like, well, heaps of people had been telling me about it for years. Like, you know, batch your content, get organized, outsource. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, but I didn't do it until I kind of was forced to. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. So I, um, I batch all of my video content. It all happens without me. All I have to do is make the video, put it in a Dropbox folder. My assistant gets the video out. She organizes the editing. She organizes the transcription. She organizes the SEO. She puts it in the blog. And then every Wednesday night, which is today for me, I have to write a, uh, an intro for the newsletter, which I put in a Google Doc, and then she makes the newsletter happen. And I was like, why didn't I do this years ago? Because that takes off so much mental energy right. for me. It's way more efficient. And you know what? My newsletter goes out every Thursday morning at 8 o'clock. When I did it, sometimes it was Thursday, sometimes it was Saturday, sometimes <laughs> it was Whenever it happened to go out. So that's what's changed for me since, since having a baby. Um, and also when people go, how do you juggle a little? I'm like, you know what? I've got a, I've got a nanny. She comes 12 hours a week. Um, I would not be able to get any work done if I didn't have her. She pays for herself, you know, multiple times over. Um, I've had to create really good boundaries with my husband because it's just not in men's nature, I think. They, they just don't know what it's like to have a baby. So I'm like you know what, you have her from 7.15 to 8 o'clock every morning and that's a boundary that I've enforced with my husband. <laughs> um, and then when he comes home, he has her, um, feeds her dinner, he gives her a bath. And so I've just kind of had to muddle along but I think the most important thing is just carving out that time and I see women who go, I'll oh, just try and, you know, launch a new program with their baby like at their feet in the office and I mean hands off to people who try and do that but it, it I tried it a few times and it made me feel like I was going absolutely crazy. Um, and, you know, I just have that help. I have I have a nanny. I've got a cleaner who cleans my house. So, you know, when I hear entrepreneurs go, oh, God, I need, I've got to clean my house. I'm like, no, you don't. Your billable <laughs> time is worth so much more. Yeah. It's expensive for you to clean your own house. Yeah. You know, Um so, yeah, that's that's how I do it. It's not, it's not always easy, um, but, you know, it's... Yeah, she's really fab. And I think any, anyone who says that they don't, they don't want to have kids, I totally respect that decision, um, you know. But people who are kind of saying, oh, I want to have kids one day, but I'm really scared about how it's going to affect my life. And I just think, well, you're totally in charge of that, you know. It's, and you, it's not always going to be easy, but you can create it how you want to create it as well. Yeah, that's very true. Well, Denise, let people know how they can find you because they're going to be fascinated by you and your story and tell them where they can go find out more about you and Lucky Bitch. Yeah, so I'm just at luckybitch.com. Definitely come over to that because that's a very expensive domain. (laughs) 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 Uh, And um, I've got a lot of great resources on there about 
things, how to set your pricing, how to feel, you know, really good about that and how to increase your prices and um, how to deal with money blocks. I've got a, an audio about how to deal with seven specific money blocks that, that I see entrepreneurs suffer from all the time. So, and then, um, you know, I'm on all the social media, on all of them. I love Instagram. I'm at Denise DT on that. And I, I really love hearing from people. It's the only thing with having a baby, you tend to do a lot of business on your phone. Yeah. You know, so Instagram and Facebook are really easy. Twitter is not so easy on your, on your phone to do to do stuff. But I love hearing, you know, tag me if you've got a story. I love I love hearing stories for that and, um, you know, use the hashtag lucky bitch because it's just really fun to see what transformations happen when, when women really claim that and go, you know what, I'm going to have a, a first-class life and I'm, I'm going to share it. Man. Well, Denise, I want to thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your story. It was fantastic. Oh, thanks, Katie. I'm so glad we could connect. And, um, you know, big hugs to everyone out there listening. bizwomenrock.com forward slash 150 is where you'll find all the show notes for this. If you happen to be on your cell phone listening to this through iTunes, you can actually just click on the Biz Women Rock logo that you see right there playing in front of this episode and it'll open up all the show notes for this page and you can just click right there to that web page too. So you can see all these cool quotes that uh, were drawn out of this conversation as well as some of the resources we talked about and just a nice little synopsis of how cool Denise is. <laughs> um, once again, I think the biggest takeaway for me in that conversation was how to tactfully move your business from a manual uh, practice to more of an automated uh, evergreen business model and how to do that in a way that does not lose quality um, and uh, and really helps you build out your business. Also, this idea of focusing and niching down and not being everything to everyone, which is sort of like a common thing that you know we want to do all the time, but really focusing in, niching down, being very specific about who you are, what you uh, provide and what you don't provide is very, very important. I hope you had an awesome time listening today. I hope you got something great out of it, something that inspired you, and now you go and take action on that inspiration. That is what makes all the difference, those little actions that come from inspiration. Have a wonderful day, and I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Music.